And it's great to be back. I'm great to have all of you here. Thank you for joining me for this 259th installment of the Parish of the Patriots. I'm sure most of you return members of the congregation. If there are a few new faces here, I appreciate you listening. I hope you'll stick with me through the entire show. We do have a Christian-specific segment, the sermon, if you would. That's roughly the halfway point of the show. And by roughly, I mean really roughly. Sometimes it's way later. It's way earlier. But it's roughly the halfway mark of the show. I encourage you to stay with that. Listen at least one time. I think I'm pretty confident that um, it won't be anything like what you think. If you're sitting there thinking, man, I don't need to hear all that. Give it a shot. Give it a shot. I've even had people write to me to say they, that they're not believers and they still tune in for it. As they say, they, it's still interesting. And so I do encourage you to stick around for that. If you do get something out of the show, don't be shy. Pay those ties. <laughs> it's not like I'm asking for 10% of your income. Whatever you can throw in the plate, I do pass the plate around. And, and, and I humbly accept. I appreciate what you can put in there. If you look at the description page for the show here in Radio Wildman, you look and I've got snail mail. That's it. Right now, I'm just snail mail. I'm not doing cryptocurrency right now may or may not reintroduce that down the road. I really, I'm really trying to get away from it. I really am. So I got some, uh, it is the ultimate privacy coin. You, you put an envelope in the mail. There's no, <laughs> yeah, there, there's, there's no blockchain to trace. There's just, it's the ultimate, ultimate privacy Speaking of which, a listener supporter mailbag GPD dropping some money in the plate. See, Mr. T. Thank you, Mr. T. Mr. T drops money in the plate every week. It's like once in a while, the ultimate privacy coin run. <laughs> because the ultimate privacy coin, which is the post office, sometimes they run a little slow. And if I don't see something from Mr. T, I'm always worried. You know, so, so I hope everything's okay. But usually it's just it's just the uh, ultimate privacy coin. Sometimes it does run a little slow. It's a little slower than getting confirmation on Bitcoin, especially when you have a low fee put on there. So it takes a while, but it uh, it does all work. I do have one more uh, listener supporter letter. But I'm saving that for the Christian specific segment. So that wraps up. See, you can't sit there and say he's been the whole show trying to get money out of people. Nobody can say that. Be like those TV preachers. You turn on them TV preachers and all they do is talk about sending me money. Buy my latest DVD. Look at my new book. Send money. We're having a telethon. We're having a telethon. I'd have a telethon show. The Parish of the Patriots telethon. I can do it next week. I'm not. Y'all y'all tune in next week because I'm not really. I'm just having fun here. For the 260th episode, we are going to do an hour-long telethon. Be like those TV preachers. I have a goal of $4 million. <laughs> a goal of four million dollars we're having a telethon for the 260th show for four million dollars six million we're gonna have a show for six million we're gonna get the six million dollars six million i'll be the six million dollar man i'll be lee majors you'll be old enough be old enough to catch that reference we're gonna have a telethon be the six million dollar man y'all gonna we're gonna do an hour-long show with nothing but just begging you for money can't say that we're two three minutes in the show we already passed that Pass the money thing. Talking about Lee Bajor, $6 million man. Yes. <laughs> Talk about anything. You may not be old enough to get that reference. I was saying random things that get in my head. And I, I, I the other day, I'm, I'm, I'm doing housework. So I'm, I'm, I'm fixing supper. I'm, I'm cooking in the kitchen. And I was thinking of this and I thought, I ought to throw that out on the show. Like anybody cares. And I'm thinking, this is a test. 
this is a test of what generation. Because you got to probably be either Gen X, which is moi, or Boomer, to get this reference, you know. But if you know, if you know what this comes from, <laughs> cuts, how's it go? Cuts ham so thin, the in-laws will never come back. If you know what that comes from, cuts hams, cuts meat so thin, the in-laws will never come back. I know you got to be everybody else sitting there going, what the hell is he on about? Who Cut what? Cut ham so thin, the in-laws will never come back. I was cutting thin meat and I thought of that and no, I did not have. I did not have the Ginsu knives or whatever they were called. The Ginsu cuts ham so thin the in-laws will never come back. The in-laws will be back. But you anyway, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is the first part of the show. This is where I warm up. I get to rambling. I get the, I get the rambling juices flowing. The coffee flowing. Anyway, y'all don't care about the Ginsu knives. You should. They were amazing. You could The guy could cut a can. He cut an aluminum can with it. And then turn around and just whoosh, cut the paper because they were incredible. They were from Japan or something. It was back when Japan was what China is today. Anyway, I've got to get off. I'm going to pry myself off, pry myself off of cutting the meat so thin the in-laws will never come back. People buy into things. I, I look around and people buy into things that are lies. And I was thinking, one th- the, I had one thing jotted down. And the reason why they sold people on this notion of the separation of church and state, separation of church and state, we see it taken to these absurd lengths today, you know, and it used to, of course, not be that way. Common thing, obviously, was was written is the, the government can't establish a church. Like in England, they established the Church of England, which, whew, I don't even have to tell you. I mean, you look at that mess that, that, that is the Church of England today. So they weren't wrong on that. But then, of course, they invented the courts. And as time went by, they invented this mythological separation of church and state. We all know the courts, you know, they, they invent these things. But what becomes incredible is how the people will absorb them. And accept them as a, as a truth. But they don't ever stop. Because conservatives will do this. The court will come out with some ruling. And you know the conservatives will bitch about it. But then you know after just a little bit. They embrace it. Remember it was, it was basically the courts. Which crammed gay marriage down everybody's throat. I always remember in California. California of all places. They passed a state proposition. Banning gay marriage in California. And then the courts came in and said, no, you can't do that. Even though it's part of a democracy that the people vote for something, they don't get it. Or, you know, that just it's part of our values of who we are. And conservatives will get outraged. But then after a while, they embrace it. You look today, you know, and the conservatives will sit there and say, we're the number one defenders of gay marriage. As long as they're living as good family men. It's absurd. It's absurd on their face. Separation of church and say they, they they embrace these things. People embrace these things after a while and they quit questioning them. It becomes a new truth, a new reality. It's just the way it is. They had to come up with separation of church and state. Traditionally, 
They say, I'm in agreement with our own uh, Dr. Matthew Raphael Johnson that you basically have some form of monarchy or you wind up with some form of oligarchy. He puts it a little different, but we're on the same page. We're, we're on the same page. Trust me. Trust me. We're on the same page. And, and you know, traditionally, the church is supposed to be a check on the government's power. It is supposed to be a check on the government. So, of course, they had to get rid of that separation church and state you see you have to have that separation so there's no check on their power now they're fine with any kind of idea of checking the power of a monarch but when it comes to this system you see the democracy system they don't want any checks on their power what are the checks i was raised talking about i started off with that ridiculous whole thing that y'all didn't care about about you know i know what generation you're from if you know what that slogan is referring to but if you're old enough like me, you remember they used to teach you. Maybe they still do. I don't know. I think I, I, I'm pretty sure all they teach in the school now is Martin Luther King and the Holocaust. But I could be wrong. I could be exaggerating. But, but they used to teach us, you know, the, all these different, you know, branches, these things that were put into place serves as checks and balances. I remember that was a big thing. Checks and balances. Politicians used to talk about checks and balances. It was a good slogan. Now, what do the courts do? Do do you see what the because the courts were one of the things we were taught? They serve as a check and a balance. You see, if the government gets too out of line, the courts step in and say, "No, you've overstepped the line. You don't have the ability. You don't have the right to do that. It violates my constitution." Do they do that? I mean, do do what serves what I'm trying to spit out here? Look out across this whole system that we have. Where's the checks and balances? It damn sure ain't the church. What's the checks and balances? The courts? I don't see the courts checking the government's power at all. The government does these ridiculous technicality things to where we're not censoring people. We're, having the, we're, we're threatening the social media companies and we make them censor the people, but since we're not doing it directly, where's the checks and balances? They came up with this whole secret FISA court. Oh, but it was going to be really stringent, but they don't. It was just recently revealed, not to anybody's surprise, that they just, well, the, 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 the U.S. government wanted to spy on Trump's campaign in 2016, but they couldn't legally technically do that. So they got one of their partners, like the U.K. intelligence agencies, to do the spying for them and then just tell them what happened. You see, we're, we're to, where are the checks and balances? There are no checks and balances. There's no checks against the power of the state that we live under. Now, traditionally, the church would serve as a check against that power, as the power of the state. Of course, traditionally, that would mean a monarch, but still, the church always could stand, even under this system, as some form of a bulwark because people gather together, you know? And, but see, they, 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 convinced everybody you got to separate that you can't, the church can't have anything to do with the government. Heaven forbid, because that would ultimately could serve as a check against government power. One of the things that's hard to accept as you get older is so much of the things we were taught all our lives were a lie. Now, younger people dealing with that. If you're a younger listener, you deal with it. You understand us older guys have to deal with that, too. 
maybe that thing wouldn't cut a tin can and then turn around and, and cut a piece of paper like that. That might have been a lie. Likewise, a lot of the things that we were taught were sacrosanct. It turns out it was a lie. Freedom of speech was a lie. Freedom of speech just meant they wanted to get around the blasphemy law, separation of church and state. That was a lie. They just wanted to do away with anything that could serve as a check and balance against state power once they had control of the state. Peaceful, the right to peacefully protest, the right to protest and have your grievances addressed by the government. That was a lie. That only applied to them when they didn't have complete power, but now they do. Now the left has complete power, and none of that applies anymore. We were lied to. And you see people in denial. They're in denial. They say, well, I've got the right. I got free speech, and I've got free speech in this country. Now, now, granted, I understand things are on a scale. You know, I mean, we still have more, quote unquote, free speech on the scale as compared to Germany or Britain, the UK. But I mean, come on, you know, if they tell you, you can say whatever you want to say, but we're going to lock you in this padded room by yourself. But have have at it. See, we're not stopping you from talking. We're just making sure nobody can hear you. Can you, by any real definition, say that you have freedom of speech? Stuff. Well, all the things we were sold on as 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 these absolutes as something to be held up as some sort of holy doc, they were lies, and we have a hard time. We have a hard time accepting that they they were lies. Free speech was just so they could blaspheme. Free speech was just so they could you know get power. Now they have it. It's like, well, what about our freedom of speech? You hypocrites! They don't. Of course, they don't care try to hold them to standards where they have not it leads to these absurdities you know as if any of these things actually mean i saw another i saw a story i'm recording this over the weekend there was a big breaking story the other day you know they're just grabbing these ridiculous numbers now you know trump has been ordered to pay 360 million dollars to the state of new york okay you know as if this is supposed to mean anything you know we, we, we just keep going off into the realm of the more and more absurd. You have these Satanists, and it's like they put up a Satan altar in one of the state capitals. <laughs> and some guy went and tore it down, and they, they arrested him and charged him, because this is for sure what the Founding Fathers had in mind. If you're going to let people put up a Christian, if you're going to let people put up a nativity scene of Jesus Christ's birth at Christmas time on the court square, then then by that reasoning, because of our ideology, you've got to let the Satanists put up. <laughs> you got to let them put up an altar. You see, because we got to be fair. See, we're lied to. You see, we lied to. We got to be fair. They're never fair, but you're supposed to ignore that. We're lied to. We're lied to about all of these things growing up of how the system works. Now, granted, back then, if you're older like I am, you know, they did work on some level or another. It appeared, they at least appeared. There was, there's, it's like termites eating up your house. You know, your house could right now be on the verge of falling. You don't know it because all the damage is behind the walls. By the time you see the termites ate a hole through your, ate a hole through your uh, paneling and they could, I don't even know if anybody has paneling anymore. That's kind of a passe thing too. 
Anyway, sorry, not going to get back on that. And 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 by the time you see the termites coming out of the wall, you have somebody you call the exterminator. You have a contractor come in and say, man, I, I got termites. I got this exterminator come in. You got the exterminator come in. He fumigates everything. And, and you think everything's well and good. But you think, I better have somebody come in. Look at this. And the contractor says, you got to tear your house down. It's structurally unsound. It's kind of like that. Back in the day, it, it appeared like everything was fine. The termites were eating out through the walls. We just didn't know it yet. On the surface, it appeared that the checks and balances and that the things we were told actually worked. You know, we had freedom of speech. We, we, people were protesting against the government, and now that's not allowed anymore because the same people who were protesting against the government then are now in power. And now you can shut the hell up or go to the gulag, be convicted of a hate crime or something. I accept reality. I, 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 I do. I'm, I'm, about, I'm about reality. I don't see any point in going around whining about free speech. You know, what, what about that's not fair. They don't care about fair. I'm not gonna, they, they don't pretend to care about fair. I'm not going to sit here and pretend they do care about fair. It just is what it is. I was saying the other day, you know, one of the worst things ever. You know, you look back, I remember looking back and, uh, you know, generations before, you know, like when TV became a common thing. This was before my time. Uh, when TV became a common thing and the people that were older at that time were like, you know, it's demonic. You're letting Satan in your living room. I remember hearing those stories and thinking, man, those people were backward and ignorant. And yet, again, <laughs> walking in the truth, you know, accepting truth, you know, and seeking out the truth means you've always got to be ready to accept that you're wrong about stuff. You can't you can't be somebody who seeks to find the truth in the world around them if you're unable to say, man, I was wrong. Back in the day, I heard those stories about the old timers at that time saying you're inviting the devil into your household. You're going to regret this. These moving pictures are Satan on a screen. And I remember mocking and laughing and saying those people are so backwards and ignorant. And you fast forward to clown world today and you have to think, I can't help but to think, no, those people were absolutely right. Mass media control. This, being able to just televise these messages into your home, these lies, these narratives. If you didn't have TV, if you didn't have this, if you didn't have TV and, and mass media and the, and the movies and all the rest of it to do that, just think of how that would limit their scope. You know, you, you, you're not, you live in Ohio. You're not going to be getting some Yankee land newspaper like the New York Times. Even if you picked up, you like, you living out in the sticks and you, you know, you got your copy of, I don't, I don't know, whatever big city newspaper to see what's going on in the world and, and you read through this. And if it was the lies that we had today, you would gather up with your neighbors and say, you ain't going to believe what they're trying to sell us. And everybody would just laugh at it. They're saying everybody got to go around wear a mask. Everybody just be laughing at that. It'd be like, that's just crazy. Them people over there are just crazy. And everybody just laugh at it and go on with their lives. This ability to spread this mass propaganda, these mass indoctrinated mass narratives. People write the TV was the devil coming into your house. <laughs> they were, they were right. They were more right than they were wrong. They weren't. It turns out they weren't the ignorant ones. We were the ignorant ones. I was the ignorant one. 
Those of us that sit there and snickered at such an idea, we, we were ignorant. Those people weren't ignorant. They had foresight. We were the ignorant ones going, well, what? Who cares? <laughs> Is leave it to beaver really that awful? Doesn't seem like it to me. Well, fast forward to today. Their ability to spread the mass narratives, mass propagandize the people. Look at where we're at. And tell me them people were wrong. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, the technology's here. It's here. We just got to deal with it. But, we, but I mean, what's the reality? Look at these phones. These, <laughs> they're damn smartphones. I look at the phones and I, I observe people. I do. I'm a people. I, I watch people and see and I marvel at the crazy-ass stuff people do. And the way people, especially women, but men do this too. But, I mean, that phone is an appendage. It's glued to their hands. You pull up at a stoplight, and you just, sometimes, next time you're driving, if you don't, you can probably do this anyway, but next time you're driving, stop at a stoplight and just look. Because some people, don't, you know, they'll pull up at a stoplight and their eyes straight ahead. They're scared to death, make eye contact with them. I ain't like that. I look at everybody. I'm always looking at people. For one thing, you ought to be aware of your surroundings. But anyway, and pull up at a stoplight and look around and see how many people, as soon as they roll to a stop, they got that phone up. You ever wonder what the hell they're doing? I mean, really? What are they looking at? I mean, yeah, one guy might be answering a text message related to his business, and it is something fairly important, but what, what the hell? What are the rest of them looking at? Oh, my gosh, my Facebook post got four likes. This thing could go viral. People are just, in, they, 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 they can't imagine it. It's funny to me, this is going to be an age thing again. Gen Xers, boomers to the front. It amazes me because even people my generation who should know better, people are indoctrinated on this idea that you cannot go anywhere without that damn phone. You notice that? People have it in their head. They cannot go anywhere without that damn phone. They gotta have it. I drive people crazy because I'll intentionally leave my phone at home. I, I, like if I'm outside doing something, I, the the phone stays in the house. I, I don't carry my phone around. I don't. There are times I intentionally leave it, and it'll drive people crazy. They'll be like, "I tried to call you. I tried to call you, and you didn't answer the phone." It's like, "Yeah, I didn't have it with me. I left a damn thing somewhere." You know, what did you need? And it'll be some ridiculous BS. Back when I was young, back in the day. When you could cut meat so thin, the in-laws would never come back. Back in those days, you had a landline. And most people didn't even have an answering machine. You you, you were one of the upper middle class if you had an answering machine. You probably had one of those big console, 400-pound console TV things in your brick home if you had an answering machine. Someone tried to call you and you weren't home. They had to leave a damn message. And if you didn't have an answering machine, which most of, most of us didn't, then you know what, and and you know what, most of us were were better off because the answering machines didn't work very good. Had a tape, had a tape in there. Anyway, you just you had to call back later, and we got by just fine. I drive people crazy because I won't carry damn phone around half the time, and they say, "Well, what if there's an emergency?" And I say, "What the hell do you expect me to do about it?" <laughs> you know, there's an emergency. Your relative on the other side of the country was in an accident. Well, I, let me spring into action. This hour that I didn't have my phone on. But the, the point here is, believe me, there's some sort of point here, is it just amazes me to view the conditioning. 
People are just conditioned. They got to have that damn phone with them. They'll freak out. If they leave their phone somewhere, they leave left their phone. They happen to leave the house without that appendage. They'd be 20 miles down the road. They'll slam on the brakes, turn around, drive all the way back to go get that damn phone because they can't have it. They can't go without it. Programmed. And the damn thing's tracking you everywhere you go. I mean, you can turn that stuff off theoretically. I don't know that you actually can. I mean, I, you know, I mean, yeah, what are, what are they tracking? I mean, you probably just go in the grocery store, some boring tracking. But the point is, you've been conditioned now to carry the thing all the time. You know, I mean, you just conditioned people. They think they can't go anywhere without that phone. They got to have it. Got to look at it. As soon as they hit the stoplight, stare at that. Stare at that son of a bitch. Got to look at it. Something interesting on there. They're mesmerized. And like I say, it ain't just young people. People my own age or older. They just get just as freaked out. They don't have that damn phone on them. Why? How do people get so conditioned to that? You know, they just get conditioned. This is the new normal. And it's, it, it, it's, it's not normal at all. This idea that you have to have this, you have to be in constant contact. I've said before, it drives me crazy that people have to have this constant noise in the background, you know? I want, I'd like to go out and eat without music playing. I just want to eat in silence. I don't need the noise. You walk in, somebody's sitting there in the other room, but they got the TV blaring. You say, why? Why well, just like the background noise? It's related to that. People don't have any idea how to have a moment of silence, how to just calm their minds. And I believe that's intentional. You know, as soon as people have a moment in their hectic, busy lives, they've got a moment. They could have some peace and quiet. You know, they could stop, reflect on the world around them, take a breath. But they don't, do they? Been, the minute they have just, just a moment of calm, where they, they snatch that phone up, start going through that damn phone. It's like people have to have this constant input. This is something else related to this, it, it, that people have been conditioned. They have to have a constant sensory input. I spend an awful lot amount of time during my days in utter silence. You know, I do. It's healthy. This is the way you were meant. This is the way God created you to live. You're supposed to have a lot of time in silence. That's how you, you start understanding things. That's how you start listening and hearing God's voice, what he's telling you. I don't mean a literal voice. You, you have to have that quiet time. God ain't going to yell over the rest of the world. I'm, I'm not trying to start preaching early, but we're fixing to get into that. But God ain't going to yell over everybody else. You see, the world the world wants you having this noise. You got to have quiet. You got to have time when your mind just says, no sensory inputs. I'm going to silence things and, and, and think, reflect, you know, meditate, whatever, however you want to put it. You got to have that time. But people don't anymore. They got the t they get up in the morning, they turn the TV on. You know, they go to work and they drive to work. They got the radio playing. They get to work and the radio's playing at work all day or they got a TV up in the office. So they got something to stare at and they whip up to the stoplight and they got just a moment of silence. They grab that phone up and start looking through that phone or they're sitting there. They go out to eat and they're sitting there while the music's playing in the restaurant and they're waiting for the food. They got to sit there and stare at that damn phone. They got to have this constant, constant input. And who's giving you the inputs? What are they taking in? What are, what, what, are, what are they perceiving? What is what, If you look at the whole of mass media, 
on that TV, what's on that radio, what's on that phone. And 99.999% of it is something negative, something destructive. If people have a few minutes of silence, they might start discerning that most of the stuff they're being told is bullshit. So they can't have a moment of silence. They can't have a moment to take their breath and realize they're being flooded with bullshit. So, so they have this just constant, constant input. And the people themselves have the ability to turn that shit off. And they won't. They're uncomfortable. You walk into a place and like you go into your job, you go into your job and people are scurrying around like little worker bees, like little worker ants, drones. And you go in and you turn the radio off because no one's listening to it anyway. They don't even know what station it's on. <laughs> you go in there and put it on the Spanish station. By the way, like 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 all Mexican music has that same beat tempo. You put it over there. They ain't even going to notice. Because they ain't listening to it. They just got to have that noise. You go in there and turn that thing off. You turn it over the Spanish channel, they ain't even going to notice. But you go in there and turn it off, and all of a sudden, the worker bee, all the worker drone ants, they all stop. Why did you turn it off? Well, y'all aren't listening to it anyway. We like the background noise. We got to have it. They got to have that constant sensory input. I'm going on break. Okay. You walk back there on break. 99, 99999999% of the time they're going to be sitting there staring at that damn phone. What information are they taking in? All something negative. It is. It's 99.99% of it is some form of negativity. Somebody's trying to sell them something. There's some news deal. They're lie, being lied to. Most people, they're being lied to. Reading some lying news media story. Some kind of propaganda. The music, I don't even have to tell you what kind of the music, it doesn't matter what genre it is. It's some sort of degenerate garbage. All of it. Every last, every last bit of it is degenerate garbage. And this is what they're taking in. This is what they're soaking in. And they never, ever stop. And they, here's the crazy thing, is the people themselves have the power to turn it off. They go turn it off. They could leave the phone at home. They could quit picking the damn thing up. They could sit there in silence. They themselves have power. And this is funny because they say from, 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 from a spiritual standpoint, Satan always makes you have a choice. These people have the choice. They could turn that shit off and they won't do it. They don't think they can. My gosh, I've got to have my phone on me. I got to have something going. They just stay bedazzled. You know, they, they just stay befuddled and, and muddling around and confused. Speaking of muddled and confused, it's kind of how the whole first part of the show has been. <laughs> first whole, first half of the show has been somewhat muddled and confused. But I think, I think we've hit on some truths. I, I think. But uh, we're fixing to get serious. we got to get into the Christian-specific segment. We're going to keep on rolling. It gets better from here. If you knew like this your first time, like, if this is how good this show, it gets better. It gets better. We're fixing to get a whole lot better. So you know what to do. Get in there, fill those peeves. Let's get into this week's sermon here at the Parish of the Patriots. And as we kick off the Christian-specific segment, I want to go back to the, back once again, going back to the listener supporter mailbag. Uh, 
GPD, please find some support. You are right about the negative component of the MCC that will get us to the grave. But the problem is that the MCC is partly good and partly evil, a bit like me. One of the guys who contributed to bringing me to the faith told me that life is so good in the U.S. because we welcomed so many of God's chosen people, namely the Jews. At that time, in the 1980s, the remark made some sense. I was not conscious of the Jewish problem, and everything was fine in the 1980s USA. So this guy was partly holy and partly dirty. Maybe I'm the same. How should we consider the inheritance of such MCC? What would you do if you ever receive more money than I can afford from a sexy girl that makes crazy money on OnlyFans and she tells you that her MCC pastor taught her that she had better do some good deeds for the poor from time to time? And that's from an agent in Philadelphia. Thank you very much, uh, agent in Philadelphia. While I don't normally do hypotheticals, we'll start off with the last part first. What would I do in this hypothetical situation? Got some OnlyFans OnlyFans, uh, prostitute, basically, is what it comes down to, is prostitution. Uh, It sends me a crazy amount of money. What would you do? GPD. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. 100% straight up. I'm going to take that money. I'm going to take that money and pay my <laughs> pay for pay for my doctor bill with it or whatever. You know, I, I ain't going to lie. I'm going to take that money. Why? Because, well, for starters, in such a hypothetical situation, why would this person send it to me? It must, they would have to be aware of, of what I'm doing and maybe they're listening. Kind of reminiscent of uh, when Jesus was asked, you know, well, he's, you know, they were murmuring against Jesus. Well, he's he's eating with tax collectors and sinners and all these different people. And he and he says, you know, what's the sick that need a doctor? You know, I mean, if it's this hypothetical OnlyFans girl is sending money to the parish of the Patriots because she's getting something out of it, then that means she's listening to the content even if she's still wandering around um, living in sin. So that means something. And also it comes back to the point that, you know, anything I receive from wherever, whether it's listener support from all of y'all, which I do, again, appreciate, or from whatever other kind of hustle I can grind up trying to make ends meet, I literally consider all of it to come from God. I mean, I I, I thank y'all, but ultimately, you know, it, it, it I, I consider it from the Lord. If, hypothetically one of you you know writes to me and says i you know you're so wrong i can't stand what you're saying and i'm never sending you another dime again i'm not going to sweat that because whatever comes in comes from the lord if he doesn't bring it through one person he'll bring it through another or or whatever so yeah no the honest answer to that is i take the money and, and, and pay my bills and do you know consider that from the lord regardless of who he happened to use now getting to this bigger question of the MCC. I, I view the MCC and I'm hard on the MCC and it deserves to be ridiculed and mocked and whatnot. But uh, always understand I, I'm hardest on those who are intentionally. See, there's a difference between the people who are just led astray. Like you talked about, you know, you didn't know any better. Well, I was there too. You know, I, I was there just like you at one point. I didn't know any better as well. We always have to, I think it's important to always bear in mind there's a difference between the people, the sheep that are just led astray and those that lead these churches. Now, some of the ones leading these churches, like some small church somewhere, he may not even know any better. But in such a case, you have what amounts to the blind leading the blind, and they both fall into a ditch. But in some of these other cases where you have these big prominent churches and whatnot, 
you know, I, you have to believe that some of these guys, they know the truth and they're intentionally leading the flock astray. There's surely this, this is a very, very bad thing. Now, I don't just mean what they're doing in this world. I mean, for that person who is intentionally leading them astray. When Jesus told the parable, he had the children gather around and he told the parable, you know, he not the parable when he said. You know, whoever causes one of these little ones to sin, it would be better for them to have a millstone tied around their neck and to be thrown into the sea or thrown into the lake. And you think what that means. I mean, he's, he's relaying the terror, you know, because death is death in this world. But, you know, it's one thing to die of old age on your bed or to suddenly have an accident and die. But to have a giant heavy stone tied around your neck and thrown into the water. I mean, yeah, you're going to be dead in what, two or three minutes. But, I mean, what a terrifying two or three minutes. What he was relaying, I believe here, is the sheer terror which he, which would be involved in that. So to intentionally lead, and it's not just about little kids. Most people read that and they think, oh, well, anybody who, you know, causes a little kid, you know, a small child to, you know, to lead off on the wrong path. Well, yes, but I believe that also relays to believers, period, to the sheep period anyone who intentionally causes leads the sheep astray remember it's written that to cause to save one soul to bring one soul to jesus christ is is this great thing in heaven you know jesus told us you you don't even understand this is a huge thing he, he said it was like a great celebration over the return of one soul if you manage to snatch one, just one person, and get them on the right path, then it covers over a multitude of sins. Now, the flip side of that would be what? If you snatch somebody away, if you intentionally veer somebody off the path of the kingdom of God and lead them to damnation, then surely nothing but sheer terror awaits such a person. So when it comes to the MCC, it's always important to bear in mind that the vast majority of, of, of these people, they don't know any better. They just regurgitate. You know, you talk about the leftists and, and, and they go out there and they soak in this information from the media and they turn around and regurgitate it out. And they don't think. They don't think about any of their positions. But a lot of these MCC church members are the same way. They, they go to their MCC church. They're told what a great person they are and, and blah, blah. And then they turn around and they just regurgitate what they've heard, what they've heard preached from the pulpit. And they don't really think about it. They don't have the time or maybe not the motivation to actually study and to think about and to put their heart towards these things because it's a lot of work. And so all of they do, just like the leftists who will sit there and regurgitate love is love, and, you know, they, they can't, you know, really get if you start pointing out what they're actually saying, they'll recoil and whore and run away. These people are simply just regurgitating what they've heard as well. So I, I do think it's, it's, it's it does well. We do well to bear in mind there's a difference between those who are just simply led astray and the blind leading the blind. Those who, for whatever reason, they're they're preachers or teachers and they themselves are grossly ignorant and those who are intentionally leading the flock astray and, and condemning themselves uh, to damnation and absolute terror. As to the question, what do we do with them? What do we do? What we, we walk in the truth. The answer is always that it comes back to the truth. We do not, I, I beat this to death, but this is the way to keep your mind in order. And this is the way I keep my mind in order. 
you always have to come back to you only have control over yourself. You can't grab these people and shake them and wake them up and tell them, you know, come on, come on, and yell at them and get them to understand. You have control over yourself and you walk in, in, in the truth. If you have the opportunity to steer somebody or to share the truth, you do so. But as far as what all of these people are going to choose to do, you have to understand, you have to accept your own limitations of what you're able to do. To kind of go back to your your questions about the hypothetical OnlyFans girl, I, like I said, I would take the money and, 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 and pay my bills and continue to do what I do. Now, if said hypothetical OnlyFans uh, girl, you know, sends a letter and says, hey, I'm, I'm sending you all this money in exchange. You need to shut the hell up calling this prostitution and, and, and saying I shouldn't do you shut the hell up and quit going on about that. Otherwise, I'm not sending you another dime. Well, I'm going to continue to do what I do, you know, and they could just not send another dime. I don't give a shit. If you're going to send me the money, I'll, I'll, I'll use it. But I mean, I'm also not going to go off a message because after all, oh, I, I, I need that money. That's a trap of the devil as one of the traps that the devil and to see that means you walk in truth and this is a great segue and i thank you for this i really do i i like these questions you know i i, I like having you know some some back and forth here it gives me somewhere to to go with this and this is a great jumping off point from something i thought we would you know originally had kind of jotted down that we discuss which is what does it mean what does it mean to simply walk in the truth. Because we say that, you know, well, as Christian believers, we all walk in the truth. What does that mean? And we tend to simplify it. Well, we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. But but what does it actually mean? I mean, as a practical matter, what does it mean for how we live our lives? And I believe, you know, because you can only, how do I want to put this? You, you spend time, or you should, or hopefully you can, um, you spend time in prayer and seeking God and, and trying to listen to the Holy Spirit and to try to understand what you know what he's doing and what the things written in the Bible mean. But you can only do that for so long. I mean, you can't do that 24-7. I, mean, I, I personally, and I'm not, believe me, I'm not boasting in any way, shape, or form. You know, I, I sometimes, occasionally, I will have times of intense prayer and understanding. It's like this information is, is flooding into me, I believe, from the Holy Spirit. And... You know, it's just like I'm trying to soak all of it in and it's flooding to me very quickly. I hope I don't sound <laughs> I hope I don't sound like a lunatic, but there are times like that. And, and those times will last about 30 minutes or 45 minutes, maybe an hour at the outside most. And afterwards, it's like you can practically I, I can practically feel smoke coming out of my ears because it's just like I'm, I'm fried. I can't even think anymore. It's like I could just lay down and pass out for a while, go to sleep because it's just you can only do that for so long. But yet, walking in the truth is how we live our lives from a day to day. So, obviously, it's not a matter of we're in a constant state of prayer. That's not realistic. I believe one of the aspects of actually living our lives, walking the truth, means that when we look at the world around us, we see things for what they are. And, and it's a lot of what we do with this entire show. It's a lot of everything we do here at Radio Album, even something like the Daily Nationals. We talk about news stories or topics of the day, and we try to talk about, you know, what that means, the actual truth of the matter. And this is all related. Our belief is not this separate thing from how we live each day, how we, how we walk each and every day, how we view the world. 
They're interrelated. They're intertwined. You can't separate the spiritual from the physical. They're all intertwined. They're all interrelated. When you go through your life and you see people doing things that just don't even make any sense, you, you, you think, what, what are they doing? You see the truth of it. And, and as you see the truth of it, you understand why they do the things they do. It may not make any sense, but you understand why they do it. I hope that makes sense. If, if you see people, say you see an older person, and they're behaving in such a selfish manner that it's to their own self-detriment, and you think, that doesn't make any sense. They're harming themselves. They're alienating themselves from their children or their grandchildren. Why would they do such a thing? It doesn't make any sense. You look at it as a practical matter, and a thinking person would not do that. A reasoning person would use a reason and not do such a thing. As you walk in the truth, you realize that that person, this didn't just pop up. You're looking at a snapshot of that person's life right now, today. You haven't walked their entire life with them. You have no idea what their past experiences are. and What, what you are viewing when you look at other people, what you are viewing is a snapshot of where that person is today. In all likelihood, such a person in reality has lived their entire lives being extremely selfish, being extremely self-centered. You're just seeing a manifestation, the current manifestation. You're just seeing a snapshot of that. In the right here, in the right now, you just you're just seeing that right now. But that's how they've lived their entire life. This isn't something that's just popped up out of the blue. You're seeing that reflected as a practical matter. One thing that drives me crazy is people that don't drive anymore. I always say people don't drive anymore. Bear with me. This is still related. People don't drive anymore. They go from point A to point B in a vehicle, but they don't drive. They're doing everything else in the world but drive. It drives me crazy. And you'll go down the road because I think one of the most absurd things of people being disconnected from the truth is you hear these stories about people getting all crazy and road raging and shit. So I don't ever do that because if you see somebody, somebody's driving like shit, you know, and they're in front of you and they're say they're in the left lane. One of my pet peeves, you're on a you're on a four lane divided highway. You got right lane, you got a left lane and these people get in the left lane and camp camp over there and next to the car on the right and they're backing up traffic and you'll get mad and people get mad and you'll get upset but when you walk in the truth you look at this and you realize well if i get upset it's not going to change this person is going to be this person is driving like shit this person was driving like shit last week and they're going to be driving like shit tomorrow for whatever reason whatever you do your reaction to that your emotional reaction to that is not going to change how that person drives. You, trust me, it won't. You know, <laughs> If you blare your horn and flip them off out the window or whatever the case may be, they're, they're still going to drive like shit. Tomorrow they're going to get up and drive the same way they're driving now. So the only one who's being affected is you. You see, it circles back to that whole you only have control of yourself. How do you have control of yourself? You see the world for what it is. You walk in the truth. Whatever reaction you have, is not going to change that person's behavior. You just live your life. And when you see that and you're like, boy, this is aggravating. I got somewhere to be in this idiot. <laughs> this idiot is camped in the left lane. But you're going to get where you're going to be. And tomorrow you won't even remember it. You'll be moved on to something else. And you see that for what it is and you just chill out. 
you know, you just you you just chill out, you know, wait for your opportunity to get around them, and you go on with your life. Now that's kind of a trivial pivot, uh, trivial type of thing, but it applies, you know, on a broader scope. You see things for what they are. Now walk because as you look at the truth of the world around you, you can get upset. You know, we do, like I said earlier, we do these stories uh, on the Daily Nationalist. You know, the government lies to us 24-7. The media lies to us 24-7. Now, there's ways you can react to that. You can look at that and know the truth, and it can make you very angry. And if it's a godly angry, anger, well, well, that's that's fine in itself. But again, like the person camped in the left lane, you always have to bear in mind that you don't have the ability to change what they're doing. You have the ability to speak the truth. You have the ability to not accept their lies and to reject them. And that's it. When you sit there and you walk in the truth and you see all of this nonstop lies, yes, you can look at it in disgust and you can even have a reaction to it of godly anger. But you always have to walk in the truth and realize, you know, I can't I can't help what see what lies CNN or the New York Times or the White House or whoever decides to put out there tomorrow or today or next week. I don't have any control over that. I do have control over myself, and I reject their lives. And as such, instead of being hyped up and angry and frustrated and I'm grinding my teeth because those lying bastards, I sit there and say, I know the truth. Their lies have no power over me because I know their lies, and I reject them on a spiritual level. I see people, and they'll get hung up on different ideologies, you know, they get an ideology is a cop out from having to put in the work of walking in the truth. People want to have an ideology and they'll hold on to this ideology and they'll say, this is the answer to everything. When in reality, Jesus is the answer to everything. Jesus Christ is the answer to everything. The truth is the answer to everything. But people want to cop out. They want to have this fit in a nice box, write it on one page ideology and if it matches up with that ideology then check it's good if it doesn't then they reject it and the truth doesn't even come into it it doesn't even factor they put everything against this stupid ideology don't get me wrong there's ideologies that you know can serve a certain amount of purpose at least to give you a vision a direction that you would like to go in whether that's wrong or right depends on what that ideology is but to sell yourself for the ideology to become an idol for you, you just set yourself up for failure. A, a good example of this, you know, I'm not on social media, praise the Lord. <laughs> I really mean praise God in the name of Jesus. I'm not on any kind of social media, but I, I'm aware, obviously, of their stories. And recently, Andrew Torb over at Gab, you know, on the Gab platform, he came out, made an announcement, and he said that... Uh, you know, all the porn bots and spammers and a lot of these troll accounts, whatnot, he says, they're all coming from these IP addresses from the same place. So he mass banned these IP addresses and they were all from Israel. <laughs> and, you know, there was, a, you can imagine, of course, what the reaction is. And I was, I was reading through these. And again, I'm not, I'm not on social media, but I mean, I can still look at the, you know, i I found the link to this story and I, and I linked over and I read some of the gab thread on, on this. And of course, you know, 
setting aside the typical on the one hand, you know, Gab is a hotbed for anti-Semitism and needs to shut that be uh, shut down completely. And now all of a sudden you got the same people going, you know, it's like another Holocaust because he's banning us. Why would you care if it's a hotbed of anti-Semitism? You should be glad you don't have to listen to this horrible anti-Semitism setting that aside that because that that part I didn't even find interesting. The ideology aspect of it is you had people on there posting, I'm sure, good, well-meaning conservatives or perhaps libertarian-minded people, these ideologies. And you had these people with conservative libertarian ideologies, and they're posting on there, well, I thought you were about free speech. Well, I thought you believed in free speech. Turns out you just censor just like everybody else. I thought you believed in free speech, but look, here you're banning a whole bunch of IP. See, you're banning, you're banning, you're no different than Twitter or Facebook. See, that's that mindset where they've created a, they've created an idol out of an ideology. When you look at this, you can see why libertarians and conservatives never win, period. They never get anywhere, period, because they're so wedded to their ideology, they use no common sense. I've always said before, you know, the conservatives constantly are trying to po point out some sort of hypocrisy of the left, and they think that somehow is going to affect them, but it doesn't because all the left cares about is power. They don't believe in any of the things they say they believe in. They just believe in power. That's, that's what they believe in. They just believe the end, you know, the ends justify the means. They'll lie to your face. They don't believe in any of this. Where conservatives and libertarians, they try to be wedded to this ideology like it's a holy thing. Oh my gosh, all these DDoS attacks are coming from Israel. How dare you ban? You just should let your site be DDoSed and to where people can't use it because you've got to stand with your ideology. You got to, it belays any sort of common sense, it denies the truth. When you can look at the truth and say, well, I've got this problem. I've got, in Torba's case, I've got all these spam bots, these porn bots, and they're all coming from Israeli IP addresses. I can fix this by banning those IP addresses. But the libertarian conservative ideologue will sit there and say, no, you can't. You have to just let them flood in here and ruin your website because your ideology is that you don't censor anybody for anything, which is just silly, isn't it? It doesn't make any sense It because it doesn't walk in the truth that these ideologies mean you at some point in time, you're going to run into the truth and you have to choose your ideology or the truth. See, it's funny how that works, isn't it? You try to walk in the ways of the Lord and at some point in time, you're going to have to choose what's more important to you, your ideology or the truth, which is always related regardless of the topic. The truth is always related to Jesus Christ. It was the central word of how he described himself. It doesn't matter what the topic is. It doesn't matter what you're talking about. The truth itself is related to Jesus Christ. And at some point in time, the Lord make you choose. Some point in time, you're going to, your ideology, which you hold so dear is going to run into a situation where it doesn't apply. It runs counter to the truth. Now you can either choose the truth or you can just cling to your ideology as though it is holy, in which case you've proven that it is an idol for you. The truth is always answered. Our listener here with the letter talking about MCC uh, church members, and, and you'll hear these people say something along the lines of the only reason God is blessing America is because America supports Israel. Because, you know, same name as... <laughs> 
I just always come back to that because it's so childlike and stupid on its face. I always just I always have to repeat that because same name because that is literally their reasoning. That is how far they're looking into these things has reached. Well, it's got the same name, so it has to be the Israel in the Old Testament. And yet, if you ask these people, in what way is God blessing America? You're claiming God is blessing America. And I'm looking at this third world tier spiraling, <laughs> spiraling down hill, hellhole, you know, corrupt shithole. <laughs> and, 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 and in what way? You know, I mean, in, in what way? What, what are you even talking about? You see, there's no truth there. They can't even look at or accept the world for what it is. They have to sit here and and make up that somehow God is is smiling and 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 raining down a blessing, an undefined blessing of some sort, on America, because we send billions. You know, we explain that, explain the connection. You know, does does the U.S. send a billion dollars worth of bombs or or and money to Israel, and in exchange, our GDP goes up two percent? You know, these people can't explain it. They can't. They just regurgitate what they've heard. The answer is always true. We walk in the truth and we understand the world around us. We understand why people do the things they do. The listener here mentioned mentioned the Jews. And so many people get off track with that. The Jews' behavior, you know, it doesn't make any sense outside of the spiritual context. You understand some of the motivation, some of the motivation of, of why they do the things they do, it can only be understood from the spiritual context. I've touched on this before. I don't have time to really delve into it today. Maybe we'll revisit it at some point. I don't know. Probably the way I repeat myself. But people don't appreciate the process of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. The whole back and forth before Pilate, the whole accusation, the whole thing is a process from start to finish. If you think of it as a trial, which it it, it was on uh, you know in in the literal sense, but I mean it was beyond this. This was a cov- the new covenant being established right there. There was a back and forth. This was the legal. What do I want to say? The hammering out of the new covenant. This was a hammering out of where everybody was standing in the context of this new covenant. What God was, this was literally a court case. If you think about it beyond the court case of putting Jesus on trial, it was a court case establishing the new covenant. And when the Jews, the Pharisees, as represented by the Pharisees, because that goes back to following, I kind of touched on this before, you know, that goes back to tracing a bloodline back to a certain a, a, a certain people. And this is where I'm really trying, really trying not to go chasing too many rabbit trails here. But I mean, there's parts of the Bible I just read the other day, and I believe it was in the book of John, and it was it was relaying what was going, some of the things that were going on uh, when Jesus was was walking the earth, and it says something along the 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 lines of, you know, he they had to leave here because you know of opposition from the Jews, 
And then it says, like two lines later, well, all these Jews were gathered up around them and talking to them, and it seems confusing. Well, it's obvious from what you're reading that they're talking about two different groups of people. Remember, in the context of the Bible, when in the New Testament, when they say Jews, as a blanket term, it's like if we said Texans or Californians. It just means somebody from Judea. That's what that meant as best as they could translate it in, in, in the Bible. And again, I don't want to get off on too many rabbit trails here. I, I'm trying to stay on topic. So if you look in the Old Testament, you don't see these terms. But remember, they lost their country. So then you wind up with these blanket terms in the New Testament. And they're talking about people from Judea, and they're talking about different kinds of people. If we say Texans, well, there's all kinds of different people that live in Texas. There's a big difference from a cowboy rancher out in the panhandle and, I don't know, a, a, a black person living in Oak Cliff in Dallas. You know, But you're using this blanket term of Texan. If you remember it in that way. Uh, that will make more sense to you. And it hangs people up because they read this. Well, they're talking about the Jews. Well, n- no, yes and no. It's, it's, and you start trying to talk about it and people think we're trying to have it both ways. You know, But it's they're using a blanket term. But yes, they're included in part of that as well. Anyway, get back on topic. I'm sorry I kind of rambled there for a minute. But going through the process of Jesus' crucifixion, And at one point in time of this legal problem, remember, this is being done before God. I mean, you have these people here that it's going on, but it's going on before God. This is the new covenant and the agreement and everybody's assigning their roles and their blame and their responsibility. And at one point, the Jews, as represented by the Pharisees in particular, they said, let his blood be on our head because Pilate washed his hands and said, I, I'm not having any part of it. I, I'm, you know, he was going along with it, but he's like, let us die. I, I'm, my hands are clean of this man's blood. It's on y'all. And they said, yes, yes. Let his blood be on our heads and our children as well. Let his blood be on our hands and the hands of our children. In other words, all of our descendants. You see, it, that's real. This is not fantasy stuff. It's real and it relates to some of the things you see today. I will hear people and they'll criticize the Jews and they reject the spiritual aspect of it and they wind up off into complete gibberish. And when you're like, well, well, why do they do that? Well, they're just they're just genetically driven to do that. They're just genetically driven. Well, point to the gene. I mean, that doesn't even make any sense. I mean, point to the gene that makes them want to do that. Because on some, how do I want to put this? Uh, on some level or another, some of the things they do, yes, you can look at that and, and understand it in the physical worldly sense, but some of the things they do are self-destructive. You know, I, I get tired of white people, nationalists, white people, you know, just nonstop bitching and complaining about, you know, the Jews and, and they'll act as if they're like omnipotent. You know, they're all powerful and they're not. They're not. They just simply do what they do. Some of those things can be explained because there's worldly gain involved, but then there's some things they do which are self-destructive. And you look and you say, what's incredibly self-destructive? Why would they do that? This is not good for them. This is not the Jews are doing things that are not good for the Jews. Why would they do that? I mean, as an example, you look at the amount of influence they have in the U.S. Now, 
from a worldly practical standpoint, you would look at this and say, well, if I was them, I would want to do everything to protect. I'd be like, man, these people love us. You know, you look around at the U.S. and say, like, these people love us. I mean, they, they send billions to our little side country here, Israel. They let us run the banking. They let us have all this product. They never question anything we do. They'll go along with anything. We need to nurture the. We got a good thing here. These, these, these people don't want to run us out of the country. They love us. And you would think just as a practical matter, they would want to nurture that. They wouldn't want to keep this going. They'd be like, man, we got the best deal we've ever had in our whole history. We got to take care of this. And yet they don't. They do these destructive things that, that, that make, you know, that make the society more unstable. And that's not good for them. And you think, why would they do that? And you'll wind up, if you discount the spiritual nature of it, people will sit here and say, well, they just do it because they do. They're like the scorpion and the frog, only there's no real frog giving scorpions ride. That doesn't even, you know, that doesn't even make any sense. There, there's another motivating factor here. There's one that they themselves probably aren't even aware of. You know, and it's that spiritual factor. You can trace that all the way back to let his blood be on our heads and our descendants' heads as well, on our hands and our descendants' hands as well. You see, it's related back to that. This is all what you see in the world around you is a reflection of spiritual conflict in the world. If that, it, Hopefully that makes sense. And understanding this, this relates back to, again, walking in the truth. And seeing the truth for what it is. You you don't get frustrated at them because you understand that they're doing what they're doing for a reason. You understand the reason why they're doing what you know what they're doing as a group. Obviously, we're talking about as, as a group here. Um, and you understand that. You know, and you understand the reasoning behind it, and you understand why, well, on the surface, it looks like that doesn't even make any sense. Why would they do that? It's to their own detriment. But when you understand it's a spiritually driven thing. It was part of that entire process of the crucifixion. And this was the thing being hammered out. Who's responsible and what the price is to be paid for that and so on and so forth. And you understand. And it's all related back to that. And yet people reject that. They reject that truth. And they wind up having to rely on gibberish about, well, I don't know. They just do that because they're really bad or something. As if there's no other motivating factor at play. Anyway, I didn't want to get off on that tangent, but it is all related. You understand the truth. You understand the truth of, of the world around you, why people do the things they do. And, and, and even though you're looking at the world around you and you're trying to walk in truth and understand why people do the things and things happen the way they do and, and, and the reason behind it all, those things will all relate. The truth always relates back to Jesus Christ, again, regardless of the topic. It doesn't matter what the topic is. If it's the truth, it is related to Jesus Christ. So you walk in that truth and, and you see the world for what it is. And when you do that long enough, it doesn't lead to frustration. It leads to understanding. It leads to the proper context and keeping things in their proper context. Anyway, I got to wrap up on that note. I, 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 I hope that all I always wind up at this part where we're wrapping up. I always wind up hoping this made sense. I hope it didn't just sound like me doing a lot of rambling gibberish. You're walking in the truth, you're seeing things for what they are, all these things, all of it, 
don't get wedded to some ridiculous ideology that says, well, if you run into the truth, you have to pick the ideology. That makes it an idol. You don't do that. You walk in the truth, which means you're flexible. When you're walking in the truth, it means you're you're flexible. When something when you run into something unexpected, you look at it, the sooner you can understand the truth about whatever it is you're confronting, the sooner you can get to the answer and you can make the decisions that you need to make to keep moving forward, regardless, regardless of what that is that you run into, the better prepared you're going to be and you get into the practice of that. Instead of weighing, weighing it against an ideology or, or, or to being in denial because it's something unpleasant, you run into something, you look at it, and you try to figure out the truth of it as quickly as you can, and you accept that truth, make whatever decisions you need to make, and you can keep on trucking. You can keep on moving on. Speaking of keeping on moving on, we got to get on out of here. I appreciate y'all joining us this day. I hope you enjoyed the show. I really hope you got something out of the Christian-specific segment. It's the whole reason. You just knock this down to about a 30-minute show and just do this. <laughs> I enjoy the whole show. I hope you all do too. And I hope I'll see you here next week for the Parish of the Patriots. <laughs>